Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. Welcome to Weekly Jump, presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. This is our weekly episode reviewing first impressions of newer anime and manga titles. Let's jump in. Okay, uh, so, hey everybody, we are finally back for this Monday episode, and, uh, it is the long-awaited episode where we're going to talk about some of the Cowboy Bebop Love action. No, oh. it's not Claymore. <laughs> Did you read Claymore? <laughs> no, I refused. I We're only doing Cowboy Bebop. <laughs> okay, we'll do Claymore next week. That's fine, because I have been reading Claymore for a while, so I, I know it better than most of our uh, first looks. So uh, that's cool. I'm good with just doing Bebop. Yeah, and I mean, we watched the first two episodes of it. Honestly, um, I'm going to finish it. Uh, I was making a decision that I I don't know if I wanted to finish it, if I wanted to go through it. Um, So be aware, this is, you know, super, super fresh and new. Uh, So if you're if you're somebody who who wants more information about it and wants to watch a little bit first to make your own decisions, um, this is going to be major, major spoilery. Um, but, uh, if you don't know, but only for the first two episodes. Yeah. <laughs> and also I watched these before Thanksgiving, we were going to record this before Thanksgiving and then our schedules didn't, didn't match up. And, um, both before and after I watched them, I've been seeing mostly episodes, uh, not episodes, um, article titles about people reacting to cowboy bebop Uh Uh, they're always like cowboy bebop is a failure or cowboy bebop succeeds in these two ways or whatever it's like you get kind of a an idea of their vibe with the show from it and so i'm not sure how affected i've been by that but um i don't know i i have i had a lot of different thoughts and reactions while I was watching the show Mm -hmm. that were different, but also affected by my expectations from the sort of like fan feedback and review feedback that I had seen before since between the show came out. And when I watched it that were different than like before the show came out and what I was expecting from the press releases that may have changed now since I watched them based on more stuff that I've seen and so all of that is to say, I'll do my best. <laughs> yeah. So uh, let's start out first and foremost with, uh, I, I think my biggest and hottest take from the entire, the entirety of watching the first two episodes uh, as somebody who is probably, probably marked down as my favorite anime and is probably never going to be knocked off as Cowboy Bebop. Uh, the show was not, total and utter garbage um no it is much better uh than a lot of people anticipated that were huge fans of the show um it is different than the original uh show it was coming from in a way that i i don't know if i completely love the choice but i think that is a choice that was completely stuck with um, and it, aside from a single, possibly two characters casting, I believe that the casting is very <laughs> solid in it. Um, uh, I, I'm having, a, a a lot of trouble with, uh, uh, Butterface Vicious. Um, 
Yeah. He is. What's going on? I don't. He is a fucking mess. Uh, I have no idea why he was cast. Um, but I was, I, I have not been a fan of him so far. And I believe that I will continue to not like him. <laughs> yeah. I want to say this is a, uh, a Western adaptation. Mm-hmm. What's, what we're used to dealing with on our show for the most part is um is the sort of typical japanese um manga and anime adaptation cycle which is a totally different beast and we talked about this on the show before uh, i think we've talked about this in relation to cowboy bebop before from the standpoint of anticipating what was coming but uh, i i really think it bears repeating here which is that uh in general when you are adapting an anime from a manga what you are doing what everyone expects you to do and kind of what everyone wants you to do is to more or less give us a shot for shot remake they basically want to see the exact story that was told in the manga moving and in color and that's the deal um and if you think about it as an anime fan it doesn't feel weird and you know as a fan of other things like comic books uh like american comic books and stuff like that sometimes you're like man i wish i could just see this story but animated mm-hmm. and i get i get that that sense and i think that that's the the appeal of a lot of adaptations is to just let's see the thing that i like done through the prism of whatever this new medium is right like in this instance we're talking about cowboy bebop which is already a, a show that you know moves and is in color and stuff like that but we're seeing it live action and so it's it's the excitement of seeing something like like uh i would say not to break out of what i'm talking about too much uh too early but you know one thing about cowboy bebop is that they put a lot of money into the cg of those ships and those space scenes mm-hmm. and uh Everything looks really good. And I think there's a lot of excitement to being like, hey, that's the swordfish. And the swordfish looks dope in live action. Yeah. And so I think I think a lot of people get excited about adaptations because they want to see what is the one-to-one translation. But the challenge of adaptations is that when you're when you're living outside of the anime and manga world where a one-to-one adaptation is kind of the norm. And has been sort of the established behavior pattern of those kinds of things. You get into you get into adapting something in, in a more traditional sense, mm-hmm. where what we're trying to do is we're trying to take the heart of the thing, the important beats of the thing, and we're trying to put it into a new story. Yeah, but if I'm if I if I'm a Western writer and Cowboy Bebop being not necessarily the best example because of the whole thing about anime and manga, but like if I'm trying to adapt, I don't know, if I'm trying to adapt the Hunger Games, I'm not gonna go through the Hunger Games line by line and take all the dialogue and all the action and put it in a script and be done. Yeah. Uh, one because it's a book and we're turning it into a movie. Even if we were turning it into a show the the sort of pacing of a show is not the same as the pacing of a chapter or a, a chapter book. Yeah. Um and so you you have to you have to twist it to make it work 
but that also involves artistic choices. And so your, your author needs to feel free to put their creative spin on the material, your production team, your director, your actors, et cetera. Everybody wants to get a hand on that ball and sort of put, put their flavor into the dish. And uh, I think that that is a good thing. And I think that that can const that constantly causes the sort of like fan disappointment or fan outrage that you see a lot of people being like, they didn't adapt it correctly. Mm. And I think that it's debatable whether or not things were adapted correctly. And I think we will get into that with this show specifically, but I, I would like to say at the beginning to reiterate that a one for one, uh, recreation is not what you should have been expecting. Mm-hmm. It's not what anybody should have been expecting. Mm-hmm. And as we've discussed on this show before, with something that is so good, like Cowboy Bebop, it's not what you should want. Because yeah. uh, Cowboy Bebop already exists. So if you're going to remake it, remake it. Instead yeah. of just remastering it, essentially. Yeah, so here's my biggest takeaway from the first two episodes of the show as well, other than Vicious is not well cast. Um, But uh, I believe that he could be well cast for the thing that I think it ended up being, which is a more stylized version of Cowboy Bebop, where it, uh, Uh it goes for style and rule of cool points a lot of times over the uh, practical animation and practical uh, fight sequences that you see inside of the original anime. And yeah, I think that one of the, one of the most blatant ways that you can see this at the very beginning of the show um, is that when Spike comes down into this casino to begin his fight in the first episode, he flips a coin and then kicks the coin into someone's face who has a loaded gun pointed at him. So he jumps into the air and kicks the coin and hits the guy in the face without the guy reacting by just shooting this person that jumped up straight into the air. Whereas if the, if you take the adaptation that it comes from, which is Cowboy Bebop the movie where he explodes a party popper, um, inside of a convenience store where he has coverage and then moves immediately behind a uh, uh, behind different different areas inside of the aisles so that he can put himself in coverage. Uh, you can start to notice that this show is going to give you kind of stylized versions of these fight sequences. They're not going to be as fast paced. They're also going to be missing some of that uh, realistic speed that happens in Cowboy Bebop that I've gushed about almost infinitely, uh, where the fight sequences look so fucking cool in Cowboy Bebop. Most of the time, the reasoning why is because it's based off of movements that actual people could do at speed to actually, you know, get into a fight with somebody. Um, and I, I think that that's one of the things that's missing inside of this show. However, the way that they do it is so stylized and still pretty cool that I'm, I'm pretty down for it. Um, and then the second thing, which I think that this show does a very good job of adaptation of, is the banter. And the banter inside of Cowboy Bebop is really important. It feels a little bit more Marvel-esque than the original Cowboy Bebop does, 
um, yeah. where they're they're doing a lot more quippiness and they're doing a lot more like painted jokes. But I I still think that it is a a good adaptation from that that gives you a good feel for the the three main cast characters working together um, and uh, and having uh, a breakdown of the way that they they uh, they interact with each other and um, yeah before before I, I say also... anything else as well I will also point out. Uh, Flip forward a couple of seconds if you're if you're not up to date on this and don't want a spoiler. But uh, I was fucking right, by the way. Uh, you remember when I said mark down that they're going to do a uh, a introduction of Ed at the very end of the season? That shit fucking happens, and people have been talking about yeah. that for weeks. And I was just like, uh, called it, fucking called it. Yeah, um, I think. But one one thing to note too is that Cowboy Bebop, uh, it's it is forty minutes or so, 40, 45 minutes per episode, which is one one of the reasons why we only watch two of them instead of our usual three, because uh, we actually ended up watching more time of the show than we traditionally do because the episodes are longer. But also of note, these are self-contained episodes, mm-hmm. so. Um, like the first episode of the live action Cowboy Bebop is a an adaptation of the first episode of the animated Cowboy Bebop. It is dealing with the bloody eye. It has those same characters in it. Um, there's definitely different things. The um, Some of the confrontations are different. There is a really different vibe with Spike and uh, what's her name. And then also Faye is introduced in the episode uh, as a complication instead of being introduced in a later episode with her own plot line. Um, these, I, I thought the first episode was a really good episode from the standpoint of setting your expectations as to how similar is this going to be? Because there is a very clear line between what is going on in the first episode of both series And there are quite a few moments or locations or whatever that have been replicated. Um, But there are just as many moments that have been swapped out for other things. And there are these emotional beats between Spike and um, I wish I could remember her name. The woman that's with the dude who's trying to sell the bloody eye. Oh, yeah. Um, She has a, 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 I would argue a greatly expanded role if for no other reason than her role in the first episode is pretty minor. Um, But there, there is more to their interaction Mm -hmm. in this. It's still a similar vibe of how they were interacting with each other in the original, but there's more to it. Yeah. Um, The fact that uh, Faye is Asimov and Katarina, by the way, is their names. Yeah. Yeah, so Katarina has a, a much larger role. And I would say Asimov even maybe has a slightly smaller role as a consequence of that. Because the story the story in the first one is she's definitely an important part of it. And it, it is about the two of them, but in a in a um in a journey that's being motivated by him and his quest. In this, it's a lot more about her struggles with his quest and how those relate to spike and her interactions with spike 
and how her struggles with Asimov relate to Spike's struggles with his past surrounding Julia and the syndicate. Um, And so there's some really interesting choices that they made here to tweak and twist the story into creating more of an arc. And that, I think, is the other big change that you can sense early on from Cowboy Bebop is that they are trying to create an arc. Um, Vicious is much more prominent. Uh, Julia is much more prominent. And the whole thing with Spike being a member of the Syndicate is twisted in such a way that it is more it is more of a simmering background conflict that is sort of finding its way into the mission of the week episode structure in a, in a way that is just different from the original show. You know, the original show is so much like, this is an episode about Spike. This is an episode about Jet. We're going to sort of like learn a, a little bit about them through the course of their adventures. Whereas the live action, at least the first two episodes really set a sense of, we are going to be building something going on in the background that will become more and more foreground until we, you know, complete the season with some sort of um, climax of that thing we've been building while having these side adventures that will sort of push the characters from one place to the other. Um, I, I think, I think the show also like Spencer, you said this, like there's a, there's a different tone to it. Um, And I have a bit of an asterisk here because we did only watch two episodes. And one of the things that's noteworthy about the original Cowboy Bebop anime is that the tone can shift dramatically from one episode to the other because they are playing with their, the structure and the references and the tone. And that sort of like having fun with the format is a, is a part of the Cowboy Bebop anime And I would say something of a core part of the expectations of just like some of these are going to be really dark sort of noir westerns. Some of them are going to be parodies. There's it it runs the gamut Um, in the live action show based on the first two episodes. I felt that they had a pretty similar tone one to another. And I unfortunately haven't seen enough of the show to say if they're going to be playing with tone in the same way. If I were a betting man, and I'm not, I would bet that they will not. I would bet that they would play with tone in a much more controlled and minuscule way, but that they will basically just kind of keep what they've got going, which is a a much campier, much more energetic version of Cowboy Bebop. I think what makes the anime stand out is that it is, with some exceptions, it is that sort of dark, slow, internal experience. And so far, my experience with the live-action Cowboy Bebop has been more that this is a fun, campy adventure, that they are trying to be a a space-western play on old movies rather than a sort of like brooding rumination on who these characters are. And... Uh, as a consequence, I think the characters feel a little goofier. I would say Faye feels entirely different. I don't mm-hmm. think that, I, I don't think that she feels like an adaptation of Faye at all. Um, and I don't think that that's bad because I like what they're doing with her. But where you can say, I see Jet Black 
and I see the jet black of the anime and I can draw a straight line between them. With Faye, it's a little bit more like I see the role that she is playing in this group and this character named Faye is also playing a similar role in this group, but I don't yet get a sense that she is going to be acting in the same way or behaving in the same way as our anime Faye. And I think that the actress is doing pretty good work. And I think that she's having, you know, they're having a lot of fun with her performance and with writing her and stuff like that. And the show itself is a lot of fun. And so I'm fine with it, but it's not a particularly good adaptation. Whereas I think Jet Black is pretty on point. And I think that Spike is like a goofier, less, less dangerous feeling version of himself. Uh, it seems like he is much less likely to pull his own ass out of the fire in the first two episodes. And it's much more coming down to moments of prowess, but also a lot of moments of, oh, well, that worked out luck, luckiness or uh, teamwork, um, which is nice, but totally different in the same way. I would say that Vicious, one, like you, Spencer, I am not sold on the actor. He's got a really wide chin that does not go with the sort of sleek, angular, vicious of the anime, and that does not look good with the wig they've got him in. Oh, God, that um, wig is bad. <laughs> he is also doing a lot. And yeah. I would argue, I would argue, based on the first two episodes, with a huge asterisk that I am intending to watch more of this and that I reserve the right to change my opinion... But I would argue that his expanded role very clearly is to go in line with this sort of arc storytelling that they're trying to do that is not really present in the original Cowboy Bebop. And I think that that is an exciting choice. Um, And I'm not sure that all of his acting beats are hitting for me. And I'm not sure that all of his writing beats are hitting for me as far as what they're doing with this character so far. But... I do like the expanded role more than I dislike it. And so while while this interpretation of Vicious isn't my favorite, um, I'm really intrigued by its presence and what it means for how this show could be different in ways that are positive. Because yeah. again, my core theory here is that this show cannot be Cowboy Bebop, the anime. It has to be recognizably bebop while very clearly being its own thing. And so at, after having said all of that, I would say I am, I found some parts of this to not work and some parts of this to be frustrating or disappointing choices. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, once I got used to, to the tone that they were going with, I had a blast. I very much wanted to keep watching more, but it was like three in the morning and I needed to go to bed. And uh, I really liked it overall. Like it is, if you want it to be a perfect remake, you are not getting that. Yeah. But if you want it to be a good show in its own right, that has those familiar beats, I think it is a good show. Yeah. So far. I I will say, and this is one of the things, uh, sorry, I'm harping about this vicious thing so much, but it reminds me of uh, somebody who, as somebody who read a lot of Marvel comic books growing up, one of my favorite villains inside of the comic books when I was growing up, uh, when I was reading Spider-Man, was the villain of Kingpin. Um, and 
A lot of people talk about the adaptation of Kingpin. It's very difficult to do um, and to do it really well. There was a a good adaptation, I would say, of the Kingpin when they did uh, Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, his his, uh, big Mm. giant version of himself instead of there. But I would argue the best adaptation of a villain that I've seen in all of the Marvel Universe, maybe Thanos would be better. But uh, I I will say that the actor who plays Kingpin inside of the Daredevil show is astounding. He is so, so, so good in the way that he adapts to the way that the Kingpin is originally written. And when they originally were putting out the show, a lot of people were pushing back on it that were Marvel fanatics and Marvel purists because they were like, they really changed the way that the Kingpin was written. And I was arguing that he was written one way, and I like him one way, but this actor's adaptation of the way that he is playing him, as well as the direction that he has been given, is solid enough for us to believe as a character that this person is a real person inside of this gritty universe that they're trying to paint for Daredevil. However, if you were taking a look at the pure adaptation of the way that the Kingpin is coming across you would say that it is not a good adaptation of it because it's not even close to a one-for-one. Vicious inside of this show is not a one-for-one at all. He has taken completely, completely different, different takes of the way that Vicious is. The only thing that I would say that this Vicious has in line with the Vicious from the original Cowboy Bebop is that he has a sword and he has long white hair. Those are the two things uh-huh. that make him vicious inside of the show, and that is it. He takes it in a completely different direction into uh, a a zone that is no longer an adaptation of the original character, but a whole cloth different person with the same name as Vicious. He doesn't remind me of the original character at all. He doesn't come across as an adaptation at all. He doesn't look like he's making choices that make him, uh, you know, his own play on the original character. Instead, he just feels like he is a a new goofy uh, villain that we have to deal with that is a facsimile of the original person that he is supposed to be based on. Like a caricature of Vicious instead of a, a Vicious that is a fully realized new character. Um, most people's yeah. breakdowns of the show where they are very, very adamantly against the show. One of the things that they hearken back to is also this vicious and to a lesser extent, the Julia character, but mostly it's because people have argued that the Julia inside of the show is a, um, a Naruto style woman, uh, that is just uh. there to be set dressing. Um, and yeah, uh, I haven't, she's a MacGuffin. yeah, I haven't seen enough of that to get that impression. Um, but I will continue to watch and uh, let people know. But when I'm comparing, yeah, I did, I did get a sense of that in that big scene with Vicious that I think was in the second episode, where yeah. like he he's supposed to like shoot her or something, and then he ends up like hitting her. I think mm-hmm. and I was like, man, one, I, she doesn't get as much screen time in the original, but two, she has this vibe of being much more of a femme fatale than she is coming off in those moments. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I just haven't seen enough to know. Yeah. And so, I mean, like, you know, if I'm going to, if I'm going to take a look at it from that perspective and, uh, and take a look at 
the way that other characters have been adapted completely whole cloth from the uh, the written version of themselves instead of like something like a Marvel universe or something like that. Um, there is definitely a way to pick up somebody that hasn't been adapted before and figure out how they're, how they're done. Um, and you know, Marvel has never, hasn't done it always perfectly inside of there, but I would say that they give the range for these people to pick up these characters and to make their own choices um, while keeping them inside of you know, the limitations of the character and their, their backstory, the way they're built up. Um, and yeah. man, this vicious feels like they, they just built a completely new character. Um, he just doesn't, yeah. he doesn't I, resemble it nearly enough for me, uh, to believe that this is the, you know, anywhere near the same character that would elicit a response like you have from spike in the original bebop where like just hearing vicious's name makes, makes, spike punch a hole in the side uh, or punch a big dent in the side of an air conditioning unit. Um, and, or like his, his like blood run cold response when he is faced with him inside of the ballad of the fallen angels. It's just like, yeah, it's just, he doesn't, he doesn't elicit that fear and respect that I have of the original character one bit. I think I agree with you and I think it comes back and, and I guess this, this episode is kind of becoming a little bit more of a, a philosophy discussion on adaptations as a concept through the lens of cowboy bebop. But I would say I agree. I think vicious in the anime one, you don't see a lot of him, So he is able to be mysterious and dangerous because he is largely a, person that you got a glimpse of and figured out was scary and then didn't see a lot more of mm-hmm. in this they're they're doing something totally different and i think i think with the adaptation you get um you get those choices that are working like i think spike is a little disappointing because he doesn't feel as like dangerous or in control in the live action so far as he does in the anime you know in the anime he is routinely goofy or clumsy but it always seems like an act in the show so far he seems goofy and clumsy because he's a goofy and clumsy person um and you know i could see some scene later on in the season being like being a reveal that he has been like playing it up all these times but it just doesn't it just doesn't play in the same and i find that to be a little disappointing but overall one i really like john cho two i I like what they're doing here with spike i like this buddy cop energy that he has with jet i think that the Faye character is totally different but i like what they're doing with her and so it is that kind of thing of like your mileage may vary on an adaptation because i i don't think that it is a fair expectation to get a one-to-one remake of something Um, And I think that if you are that person, one, congratulations, you're in the anime community, you get a one-to-one remake most of the times, so you get to break the rule. But in general, if they're, unless we're adapting a manga into an anime, you should not reasonably expect there to be a one-to-one recreation of something. Um, And if you are, you're kind of only hurting yourself. Um, That said... It is impossible to not have some expectations and everybody is different and everybody is going to vibe on different parts of a story more than other parts for whatever reason, you know, like 
I'm a, a really nostalgic person. And so the storyline about Faye's past from the anime really, really hits me hard. It is a beautiful, well-told, emotional story, but I would argue that I'm the type of person who is more affected by it than somebody who is maybe less nostalgic, um, who might respond more to other aspects of the show than I do. Um, which is to say, I don't, I don't want to fault anyone for being disappointed in an adaptational choice that they don't like or that they wish had not been adapted so far from the source material because there are things like Faye and Vicious who are basically being rebuilt from the ground up rather than tweaked for a new medium or for what I would argue this show has is a different tone than the original show. And I think that Spike from the original show would not fit in the tone of this show. And the Spike from the current show does, even though he is a less effective Spike than the original Spike. Um, whereas Faye and Vicious, they're recreations. And I think you would be well within your rights to say Vicious was so important to me and the mystique and danger of Vicious was so important to me that this new adaptation lacking it or even undercutting it because of the performance, because of the writing, because of the story direction, whatever, that that is a deal breaker for you. But I do, I do want to caution you. I think it's important to think, where is this coming from? Is this coming from, this is me being upset that things can't be perfect recreations of other things. I think that that is a disservice to yourself. Uh, but if it is the, the existence of Vicious in this storyline was the thing that grabbed me and the live action Bebop doesn't have that. And it is such a disappointment that I cannot proceed regardless of whether or not I'm enjoying the other aspects of the show. I understand that for me, I think the argument comes down to a lot of people talking about, is this a good adaptation? And I don't know exactly how I would define what makes a good adaptation because I, I very strongly believe that you cannot and should not, with the big anime asterisk, that you, generally speaking, cannot and should not adapt one-to-one -one recreations across the board. Absolutely take some scenes and some dialogue and some set pieces and stuff like that. Like I think about the book Jurassic Park. The first half of the Jurassic Park book is basically a, a more detailed, more in-depth version of exactly what happens in the movie. Essentially, right up until the T-Rex breaks out at about the midway point, the book and the movie are the same, with just more time for details in the book. After that, they diverge pretty significantly, and some stuff happens in the book that's the same as the movie, but for the most part, they go on completely different adventures, and they are both excellent. And... um. I think that it's okay to make those choices. I think that it's okay to be disappointed by those choices. Um, but I also would argue that Jurassic Park is an excellent adaptation, even though it is doing its own fucking thing for half of its existence. Um, because I don't think that recreation is an essential aspect of adaptation. That said, an adaptation by definition has to in some ways recreate. Otherwise it's just its own thing with, with a familiar label slapped on it for no apparent reason. 
I would say that this Cowboy Bebop live action is very recognizably Cowboy Bebop. If you know Cowboy Bebop, you know that that is what this is, and it's unambiguous. However, they are making major changes to the tone of the show by having a much more energetic, campy, funny sort of roller coaster ride experience. Um, and they are making some important character changes and storytelling changes that are going to create a different experience. And so I, I'm having trouble figuring out where on the adaptation ometer that comes down. And I am tempted to say that this is a bit of a miss as an adaptation, but that it is as its own thing, pretty good. All things considered mm. like, and that I alluded to this in the Friday episode as well, which is to say, I'm not particularly curious about what people who just discovered Cowboy Bebop think about the live action. I am curious about what people who have who have loved Bebop for a while and who have sat with it for a while, what is core to them? What lives in their memories? What struck a chord with them that they can't let go of? And what does this show do to succeed or fail in living up to those expectations? I think that's interesting from learning about what works for people and whether it worked in an adaptation. And I would argue that those can be personal things. And so if we don't get the super emotional backstory reveal for Faye in this live action series, I will be disappointed, but I will not necessarily believe that that is a deal breaker as far as whether or not the show is quality or worthwhile. Uh, The other people I'm interested in hearing from are people who have never watched the original Cowboy Bebop who are coming into this fresh faced because I suspect that most of them are going to think that it is a pretty damn good time and are going to be a little bit baffled by all the negative pushback that it's getting. Yeah. And that's, uh, I think all we have time for today to go over. Uh, we're going to continue it? watching it. I can it. talk for another hour. Yeah. <laughs> we're going to continue watching it and, uh, definitely, definitely let people know how we're feeling as we get through it. Um, yeah, I, 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 I would, I would pose a question to our listenership. If you would be interested in having us revisit this in a few weeks, having watched the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't usually want to do this. This is not a door that I'm opening for most properties, but because Cowboy Bebop has a special place for us, I, I might entertain that if there's interest. So let me know. Yeah. Um, and uh, as always, if you want to be entered into get shit, uh, send me over random <laughs> memes and jokes and I will, uh, I will enter them in into our drawing. Um, but Entertain me. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> stick with us after these credits and we'll give you another important life lesson. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions and presented as part of the Geekly Grind Podcast Network. Sound editing is done by Rashad English. He's our level 13 sound wizard. 13? Did he jump even more levels? He gained a lot of experience by defeating the Dark Lord of Smooth Jazz. Do you mean Chuck Mangione from King of the Hill? Rashad is the King of the Hill now. Damn it, Bobby. Anyway, our podcast is ad-free, and if you want to keep it that way, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash getjumped. Also, we have a Discord server. You can find the links to that on all of our social media platforms. 
If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New review episodes come out every Monday, and new rewatch episodes appear every Friday. And hey, thanks for listening. Hello, my name is Jeremy Snow, owner and editor-in-chief of The Geekly Grind. We interrupt your awesome, regularly scheduled programming to ensure you're aware of the Geekly Grind podcast network, of which this show is a treasured member of. If you haven't had a chance to check out our site, you can do so at thegeeklygrind.com, and while you're there, take a look at the other members of our steadily growing podcast family, including the anime-centric Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, discovering new heroes on comic book keepers with Chris and Lance, exploring the vast universe of geekdom with Geek Exploration, or appreciating animation's finer details with JD's Ink and Paint Club. Escape your weekly grind at the Geekly Grind. We'll see you next week, and until then... If you are going to walk into a room of people full of guns, remember one thing and one thing only, immediately jump into the air and do a high kick. Definitely, definitely going to throw them off guard, and there is no way that they're just going to immediately shoot you. Try it. No. Yeah, you'll be fine.